0: If you're wearing a t-shirt right now, you're not alone. With over 2 billion units sold a year, t-shirts are the most popular apparel items in the world, racking up sales in excess of $40 billion a year in the US alone, according to Wired magazine. Today, we're talking to Professor Karim Lakhani about one t-shirt retailer who literally built their business around community engagement in the case entitled Threadless: The Business of Community. I'm your host Brian Kenny, and you're listening to Cold Call. So we are all sitting there in the classroom. The professor walks in. And, and they look up,
1: and you know it's coming. Oh, the dreaded cold call.
0: Professor Lakhani specializes in the management of technological innovation in firms and communities, and he's one of the leaders of our school's digital initiative. Karim, thanks for being here. Great to be here, Brian. So I want you to start just by setting up the case for us. What is Threadless about? I came across Threadless when I was a doctoral student. Um, researching
1: this phenomenon of communities. You know, being a graduate student, all you do is wear t-shirts. And I said, well, this is interesting. Like this is a community-based t-shirt company where all the designs for the t-shirts come from their community. And then the community also votes. Um, and then they print the best ones. And they were making money really well. So I signed up to the website. I started to vote on t-shirt designs. When I Moved over to HBS uh, to become a professor. Um, You know, the case method was front and center. And I thought... This focusing on this company and how this company works with their community to both innovate, to generate innovations, to select innovations, to, do, to now even fund innovations, was just a fascinating way for us to be able to explain my research to you know a general audience.
0: Yeah, and you chose to do it in kind of a non-traditional way. This is a multimedia case.
1: Yeah, the case is a really fun multimedia case where you get to you get to sense the community, but also the company and how quirky the company. Is. Is how edgy the company is, Mm -hmm. and how great the founders and the employees of the firm
0: are as well. Mm -hmm. So this This case takes place in 2007, that's the point in time, and the company has gone through rapid growth. Just talk a little bit about the context.
1: Yes. All of our cases have a managerial dilemma. And this case has a dilemma around, they're growing like crazy, they're doing really well, and a large retailer, um, let's call them Bullseye Corporation, has shown up and said, we want to take your shirts and make them available nationwide through our retail channels. Mm -hmm. And the case puts the students, the participants in our discussion, to say, how should you as an owner of the company, think about this kind of uh, an offer in front of you.
0: So what, how do they make money? What's the business model? Talk a little bit about the, the competition. They have their community making the product and buying the product.
1: Yes, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the the simple thing about Threadless is that they have now more than 2 million members signed up. At the time of our case, they had about half a million members signed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these members would submit T-shirt designs on a daily basis. So on, a, on every week they would get about 800 design submissions. Now, if you sort of start thinking about this, no company can by themselves absorb that many design submissions and be able to sort and select amongst them. Mm-hmm. So then what they do then is they ask their community members to also vote on the design submissions. So they get a good signal about what the, their current customers will want to buy. Every design that goes up there goes up for voting for a week. Um, and then basically uh, they take their top 100 designs, they curate a bit more themselves, and then they print seven new designs per week. Um, and it's quite amazing. That this, this is this rapid clip of new designs being submitted on a, on, a, on a weekly basis uh, by people around the world. Uh, people around the world and vote on those, mm-hmm. uh, and then they get to pick and choose the best ones to then feature and then sell. And the way they make money is uh, the winner of the design gets twenty five hundred dollars uh, in, in in cash prizes and as well as other additional incentives. And they give the rights of that T-shirt design to Threadless to then resell, and then Threadless makes money by selling them to everybody else. Um, and then if they do a reprint and so on, then they'll That's, send more money back to the designers. It sounds too
0: good to be true. What What is the downside to this?
1: Well, I mean, I think there's many downsides. I mean, all of a sudden now, instead of having five designers working for you, you have a city
0: mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> right. submitting
1: designs, a city voting on the designs. And so you have to be able to learn how to manage the community, learn how to grow it, how to manage it, how to sustain it. And to deal with a whole range of issues, from you know theft of designs to people you know getting um, getting nasty on the user forums. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about? Yeah. So one of the questions that comes up when we do the case is, could anybody do this? Right? Can anybody do this? And in many ways, my my research is trying to provide the sort of the the scaffolding for us to understand how these companies work how these platforms work uh, but one of the things that is unique about Threadless is that the, the the founders came from the community themselves so they themselves were designers they were well known within design circles in Chicago where this company was born out of and so they understood what would it take for somebody to submit a design we did this case in 2007 but the uh, company was founded in 2001 mm-hmm. Right. so this is before Facebook before Twitter yeah. before we believed that the social web was going to take off. They had built, basically, a Facebook for designers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, uh, certainly, at the time of the case, they had to have been
0: from the community to, to be able to uh, survive and do well for them. Yeah, and they used uh, social tools early on. So yes. they were blogging, they were using Flickr, they were allowing the community yes. into their lives. Exactly. So a big a big part of the case is,
1: how do you manage your community, right? And what we learned in our discussion is transparency matters, right? Mm-hmm. Transparency matters both ways. The The community has to feel like you are being transparent about the ways in which you are operating the company, the ways in which you are, are shepherding the community itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And the way they were transparent is through blogging. They created a blogging platform for themselves, but also for the rest of the community, yeah. right? They were, you know, fast embracers of YouTube and of Flickr at the time uh, to say, this is who we are as a company. This is how we are part of you. And there's a telling line in the case uh, where one of the founders says, the community will outlast Threadless. Yeah, it's not about the t-shirts. That's right, exactly. I have a lot of discussion in the classroom about what is this company? Like, is it a t shirt company? Mm-hmm. And what people realize is no, no, the t shirt is just the a, a representation of the community, mm-hmm. right? It's the community and the platform that they've created for the community to interact, which is the business, right? Uh, value creation is happening through enabling the community transactions through design, yeah. uh, through people learning about the designs, through collaborating on designs, through voting on the designs, right? Value capture happens through the transaction of somebody buying a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's very much a social company, a community company that's, that that tends to make money through t-shirts. Yeah. But uh, that's a, almost a byproduct. It's a very uh, flat, decentralized company. And what you realize is that these were the prototypical Silicon Valley workers that we now sort of come to celebrate for Google and Mm -hmm. Facebook. These guys were already living that part where they said, you know, designers, sort of the quintessential knowledge workers need to be able to have, you know, autonomy, self-expression, you know, and so they would create those uh, functionalities in their workspace and allow them to to, to flourish. But then everybody from warehouse workers to uh, the designers they hire to everybody else would also participate with them this way.
0: This episode of Cold Call is brought to you by Indeed. Right now, small businesses have to be more efficient than ever. And that means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost the visibility of your job post at indeed.com coldcall cold call. That's indeed.com coldcall cold call. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. So could this be replicated someplace else? Is it just like a magic ingredients that are here? Look, I think in many ways, uh, the most remarkable thing
1: that's happened in the last two decades has been that in the world of software has changed completely, where now community-based software development has become one of the most established ways in which a company can create software. with. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, from Google to Facebook to even now Microsoft are now doing open-source software development. So in the world of software, in the world of content, if you think about Wikipedia, right, that also has become um, highly community-based. And what we're seeing now more and more of is other companies saying, How do we take elements of communities and bring it into our own firms? Mm -hmm. And the big switch that we sort of see happening is that even for physical products, right, we thought of physical products as being things that had to happen in the material world. But now we can replicate physical products in in the digital world. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing this kind of world take off now where we can now take physical designs Represent them digitally.
0: Yeah. And then once you have that as a digital object, then you can unleash all these community aspects there mm-hmm. as well. And the competition is no small part of this, right? People kind of like that. It's almost like gamification. Yeah,
1: yeah. So a big question that we often get asked is, like, why would anybody do this? Yeah. Like, Why would people spend time creating designs? When we talk to the designers, I uh, on average, they were spending between 25 to 40 hours coming up with a good design. Wow, that's a lot. Which of is a big investment, yeah. right? And so what we have discovered in our research has been that um, there's three categories of, uh, of motivations that drive people to participate. Some people do it just for what we call extrinsic motives. They do it because they might win the cash prize or they might get famous. Then there's a set of people that basically do it because it's so much fun, mm-hmm. right? So intrinsic motives, and people just enjoy the fun, the 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 benefits of doing the activity for itself, other than any other reward. Yeah. And then third bucket of motives we've we've sort of seen has been what we call pro-social motives. People do it for the belonging, for the identity, because mm-hmm. they feel like I'm a designer. So these three buckets show us that, the, that this, this phenomenon is actually pretty robust because mm-hmm. people can come in for whatever reason they have, intrinsic, extrinsic, pro-social, and the platforms enable that to
0: happen, and then the work gets done. So let's go back to the dramatic moment in the case, yes. which is really comes up when this offer is put on the table. Yes. And, uh, and you've got some great video of the three principles yes. sort of talking about the pros and cons of doing this. Yes. There's some big decisions they have to make yes. that have big implications for the brand. Yes,
1: so I think I'm not going to reveal what they did but so again the the question is you are a half a million strong community platform Mm -hmm. Um, you're selling uh, one and a half million shirts a year uh, about 24 million in revenue right big retailer shows up and says we can go national we can have your t-shirts everywhere Do you take it or not? Um, And the question for them is, when do you grow the community versus when do you just go for the sales? And this becomes the the dilemma in the case because, on the one hand, they could easily triple, quadruple their revenues by going to this large retailer. On the other hand, you have a hipster T-shirt that only a few people wear and know
0: about. Do you really want it at every mall in America? Karim, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. You can find the case Threadless, The Business of Community, in the HBS Case Collection at hbr.org. I'm Brian Kenny. Thank you for listening to Cold Call, the official podcast of Harvard Business School.